Good morning. Today's reading is taken from John 12, verses 12 through 15. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel! Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Thank you, Keith. Oh, the triumphant entry is just, it gets you excited. It gets my blood going. And how many of you like to watch basketball? Some of you, I could care less, I'll be honest. I don't pay attention, but there's something special about this month, right? March Madness. Now, who cares about the boys? I'm going to point out the girls. I'm from Iowa, so this is the only time I actually care a little bit. Iowa's in the championship. I'm like, what? That's awesome, because Iowa makes nothing. We're always kind of lower on the totem pole, unless it's wrestling. We love wrestling. Uh, we always do good at wrestling. But it made me think of when I played football. And I had a blast playing football. The last year I played, the final game of the season was the Rivals. I'm from Melchior, Dallas, and we were playing Twin Cedars. Those names probably mean nothing to most of you. But it was a rival game. And it was downpouring rain that day. It was so much fun. And the kicker was the winner goes to playoffs. And we were the Saints. Now, if you're a small-town person, you know any school named the Saints is pure irony because we were furthest from that. But we, we had this battle cry, this chant that we do. It was like, we are the saints, the mighty, mighty saints. And I don't remember the rest of it. But, you know, as we're going on that field and we're saying it and you have the crowd saying it, you're like, yes, this is awesome. I'm ready to go to battle and fight and win this football game. And we lost by a touchdown. It happens. But I was thinking about that in this triumphant entry. And what was Israel expecting? Jesus is coming at a cult. They're laying down these palms. Now, two Sundays ago, we talked about how John the Baptist was to prepare the way. Israel prepare the way. And this is the exact image of that. And them clearing the way, laying down palms. And here comes King Jesus on a cult coming. The king is here. They're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. God save us. Now, why palms? They're crying out, please save us. But palm branches was used for kings and victory. They're seeing Jesus come and they've heard that he's raised Lazarus from the dead. They heard that he's done these mighty things and they're seeing Jesus come and the king is here. Please save us. But they're also declaring, you're going to save us. 
about 164 years before Jesus, there was a guy named Judas Maccabus. And he led a revolt against the Seleucid Empire. And if I mispronounce that, I apologize. I, I barely speak English sometimes. But he led this revolt and he drove them out. He drove them out. And the big thing with the Seleucid Empire when they overtook Israel is they desecrated the, the temple. They messed everything up. They defiled it. And when Judas came and led this revolt, drove them out, he also rededicated, cleansed the temple, put it back together. And this is such an important part of history, especially for the Jews, that they have a holiday called Hanukkah to celebrate this time. Now, here's an interesting thing about Judas Maccabus. After he, he did all this, when he came into Jerusalem, anybody want to guess what the Israelites did? Palm branches. They waved them. Victory, victory. This was so rude in the culture that palm branches was a sign of victory and kingship. So much so that they saw what Judas did and they thought, maybe this is the Messiah. Obviously, it wasn't. Victory only lasted a few years. But palm branches are significant in saying that victory is here. Now, if I think about the Israelites and them calling out this victory, save us, save us. And they're thinking Jesus as an earthly king to drive out Rome. Who could blame them? Because we look throughout the Old Testament to the judges and the kings, people would cry out, and God would bring somebody to deliver them from the oppressors. You ever wonder how disappointed the Israelites would have been after crying out, Hosanna, save us, here's the victory. And in a few days, this king riding on a colt would be handed over, would be betrayed, would be beaten, hung on a cross and die. How disappointed would they have felt that here's this king that's going to deliver us? But he doesn't. Rome is still in charge. They're still oppressed. Because they missed part of who Jesus was. Jesus is to be king, but you know what? Jesus is greater than a king. He's more than just an earthly king. It's something greater, something more. In John chapter 1, we learn about who Jesus is beyond just a king. So let us pray real quick and then we'll dive into what it means that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you that we have the time to celebrate that you sent your Son riding on a colt to save us. And as we dive into your word, we, we study what it means to be a Lamb of God. I pray you, you, your Holy Spirit will, will convict our hearts to what you need us to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 1, verses 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of who I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me. Because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But for this purpose I came baptizing with water. That he might be revealed 
to Israel. Look, behold the Lamb of God. That's what John the Baptist says. Now it's interesting, John the Gospel writer starts off saying Jesus is the Word of God. He's the light of the world. But when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, behold the Lamb of God. Now, what's the purpose of a lamb? What's, what's significant about a lamb? A lamb's not mighty. A lamb is pretty defenseless. A lamb is a baby goat or baby sheep, like small. But when you think of the Old Testament and sacrifices and what a lamb signifies, it becomes so beautiful. You see, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have our issues. And our sins always require a payment, a sacrifice to, for them. And the sacrificial system in the Old Testament actually goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, to the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, they were naked and unashamed. It's weird to think about, but they were. And once they ate of the fruit, they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. And what did God do? He made them clothes out of animal skin. Which means an animal died to cover their sin. And the lambs were often used as the sin offering. When somebody rebelled against God, they had an issue, they did committed a sin. A lamb was sacrificed to cover up that sin. But it was always temporary. Because you know what? The next time you messed up, you had to do it again. And again and again. So that's part of the sacrificial sin offering. But there's a bigger offering that was given. And that is, takes us all the way back to Exodus chapter 12. This would be the time when Israel was enslaved by Egypt. They were stuck. And God was saying to Moses, take my people out. I'm going to deliver my people. And Pharaoh kept saying no. And we get the plagues. One after the other after the other. Until the great big final crescendo. You see, God used Pharaoh to show his power and his might, his judgment and his mercy. All mixed together in one. And in Exodus, God tells Israel, here's the steps you must follow for this final plague. The plague of the firstborn son, where the firstborn of man and of animal would die. And so he gave them these instructions. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Okay, let's pause a second. Think about that. I'm going to give you something to do, to remember, and it's going to be the first day of the month, and not just the first day of the month, the first day of the year. How important is this festival? How important is this remembrance that they're supposed to do? Because this continues on. Beginning in, uh, continuing in verse 3, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to the father's house. A lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Now think of Israel at the time they're under the judgment of Egypt. They're getting ready to go and be driven out of Egypt, right? Now, if you're a logical person like me, 
I would find whatever lamb that was lame, that kind of walked funny, that couldn't move very fast. That's what I would want to offer, right? Get rid of the, the, what's going to be baggage and keep the good stuff so that when they get older and breed, you got the good lamb that becomes the good parent to have more good lambs, right? No, no, no. Without blemish, without issue. That's the lamb that must be sacrificed for this Passover supper. A male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill the lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat. They shall eat it all and roast it over fire. Picking up at the end of 11, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And I will see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here you have a Passover lamb sacrificed. See, this, this lamb was actually a substitution for Israel's firstborns. Because with the judgment of God that was coming, Israel was also under judgment. They rebelled against God quite a bit. But here God was saying, if you offer this lamb, I won't take your firstborn. I'll see the blood pass over you and go to the next house. So here we see a lamb as a substitute for the firstborn dying. The lamb died instead. And it's also interesting when you look, they had these instructions that they're supposed to do, stuff that they were supposed to eat. But the lamb was to be sacrificed and the blood spread on the doorposts. Now, riddle me this. Say you're a good Israelite, you hold these instructions, and you do everything. But you don't put the blood on the doorposts. What do you think would happen? Would God pass over that house? Or would the sign not be there and destruction would come to the firstborn? Strictly speaking, if you read it, Without the application of the blood, the firstborn would still die. You have disobedience, in the, but the sign's not there. The sacrifice was not applied. In reality, all they did is have some roasted lamb. Which is weird to think about. That the blood of that lamb had to be applied. To be seen. But something's greater than that Passover is that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the light of the world, the Word of God become flesh. But He's also the very Lamb of God. You see, a lamb had to be without blemish, but even a lamb that visually is without blemish, you know, lambs, if you ra have you ever raised animals? You know they have issues. They get sick. They always have problems. But Jesus being the Lamb of God means that He would be perfectly without blemish, without sin, without mark. A lamb was never sufficient in the Old Testament. So in the time of the Passover, God saw the blood and passed over. The firstborn didn't die. But what happened later to all the firstborns of Israel? 
they eventually died because that lamb wasn't sufficient. But we have a lamb of God that is. And actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 is clearly stated that for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Jesus was more than a king. He was something greater. He is a lamb that was sacrificed for you, for me, for Israel, and for the entire world. And that is something they missed when they cried out, Hosanna, save us. They were looking for an earthly king to deliver them from Rome. But Jesus came not to deliver from Rome, but to deliver them from their own sins and separation from God. From the slavery of sin to be free and truly free to follow God. So I think it's appropriate that we take some time today to read the sacrifice of Christ. The lamb that was offered and sacrificed for me and for you. This will be John chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came upon him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests saw the officers, saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he had made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who made himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat him down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now is the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. And he cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered them over to be crucified. The Jews, Jesus came on a cult and they're saying, victory, he's the king, he's the king. And now you have them saying, we have no king but Caesar. What rejection. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. 
Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So the chief, many of the Jews read the inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city as written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but rather the man said, I am the King of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. Rejection again. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier and also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless and woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots to, for it to see whose it shall be. This was a fulfilled scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. The soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother. And his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciples, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The difference between the lamb of Exodus and the lamb of Jesus is a lamb of Exodus had no choice. It was picked. Jesus willingly went to the cross as a lamb of God to sacrifice an ultimate Passover lamb to take away the sin of the world. We're in Holy Week. And this week is always a week of celebration. But you know what? This week should be a week of mixed emotions. Jesus' death should put us in a mourning because in reality, my sin put him there. He died for my sin. His death was because of me. So that should put us in a motion of thinking about that and the weight of that. Our sins, the sins of the world, he willingly gave up his life. That should cause us to reflect. What are the sins, if I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that I'm still struggling with, that I need to repent of? It should also give us this, this excitement and celebration because even though I, the punishment of sin is death, and I'm due the death, Jesus was the substitute and paid the price for me. And that should be like, yes, I'm... There's freedom in that. And the next week we'll be talking about how Jesus not only died, but rose again to be the light of the world, to conquer darkness. So there's victory and there's excitement. Yeah. It should be a confusing week for us as Christians because there's such a mix of emotions. Today we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a Passover supper. And Jesus is our Passover lamb. He's the lamb of God. He's both lamb and king. 
So as we reflect this week about who Jesus was, what does it mean that he died for us? We also need to reflect and prepare our hearts for the communion. To partake in what God has given us as a reminder that Jesus' body was broken and beaten and blood was shed. Now here at Memorial Baptist Church, we have what's called an open communion. You don't have to be a member of the church to partake in communion, but you must have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus paid the price for the sins of the whole world. John says that, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sacrifice has been paid. The sacrifice is finished. But there's something that we got to remember. Look at Exodus when the Passover lamb was sacrificed. What did they have to do? They had to apply the blood. We also have to apply the blood in our own lives. We have to partake in the sacrifice to, to join in to Jesus. Sounds weird. And how do we do that? How do we join in the sacrifice of Christ? We believe, as John writes, in the Messiah. The whole reason John is writing the gospel is that you and I may believe in the Holy One, the Messiah sent by God. And Paul in Romans clarifies this a little bit on what does it mean to be saved in, John, in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth, the mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one is confessed. One confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if that's you today, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, if you never confessed him as Lord, we ask that you do not partake in communion. Do not join us in the Lord's Supper, but instead, grab David, grab Adam, grab me, grab Keith, grab the person beside you and say, I want to know who Jesus is. Because it is important and vital that you join and understand that Jesus is the Lamb of God that has sacrificed for you. That your sins put in there, that he paid the price for you. And if you believe that in your heart and you confess he is Lord, you'll be saved. And we want to walk through that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Now, if you have put your faith and trust in Christ, we need to have some time of reflection. And I'll ask the tech team to put up the, the Lord's Supper slide that we have at points of reflection. We need to have a time of confession. Easter and the Holy Week should be a time that we look and remember what Christ has done, that he's the Passover lamb, but also like where are we falling short to put him there? Because I don't know about you, but I struggle with sin all the time. I cut off this week, I drive a semi, and man, did my mouth want to say stuff. I get road rage, which is not good when you drive a semi. Because if you're in town, people don't pay attention. But that's a hard issue because I shouldn't get angry in that situation. It's meaningless, but I do. So as the worship team comes forward and the ushers come forward for the offering,
for the, the Lord's Supper. Let us have some time to reflect on any sins that we have that we need to confess. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ, grab someone and, and talk to them. Maybe there's a relationship that somebody you've wronged that you need to ask for forgiveness and seek their forgiveness. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to mend that you haven't. We'll have a few minutes with them playing to reflect and pray. And then I'll close this with prayer. Um, and as the, we respond with the worship song, the response doesn't end. Come on up, grab the elements, and we'll worship God through his sacrifice as the true Lamb of God. For his body was broken for you. He says in Matthew 26, my, Matthew 26, let's read that real quick as we reflect. Now as they were eating, this would be the Passover supper that was commanded in Exodus to partake. Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup of which he had been given thanks and he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Notice what's missing in those, the blood and the body. Don't eat the meat of the lamb of the Passover supper because Jesus is that lamb. So let us have some time, reflect and pray. Seek forgiveness, and then I'll close us. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry that your son had to pay the price for my sins, pay the punishment that was due to me. Sorry for the times I get road rage. When my heart is not torn to you, but torn to worldly things. Why well, don't put my faith and trust in you? Forgive me for the times I try to do it on my own. And not with you. As a church, Lord, if there's any times that we have looked to do things on our own way and not what you've called us to do, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask your Holy Spirit to, to convict us this week of any shortcomings, any sins, any issues that we haven't confessed to you. Let those come to mind. Let the weight of Jesus' sacrifice as a lamb weigh heavy on us this week so that next week when we look at that, you didn't just let him die, but you rose again from the grave that we may rejoice even greater because you conquered death. You conquered sin. You are the light of the world. And you conquered the darkness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.